Hey everyone, it's Mike from Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. This week we're doing an episode of Mike Makes Mike Watch, and we just wanted to give the warning out there. Uh, one of the movies that we're talking about is a relatively recent one. It's Your Name from 2016. Uh, and so usually with Mike Makes Mike Watch, we kind of talk about the whole movie in general and don't really clearly mark spoilers. But Mike D pointed out that some people probably haven't seen Your Name yet. So just giving you the heads up, if you don't want any spoilers on Your Name, just listen to the first half of this podcast and then go watch your name and then come back listen to the rest of the podcast however you want to do it just know that there will be spoilers for your name during this episode all right have a good one let's get together talk about the movies that we saw this week we'll have discussions talk film news we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks sometimes we'll have a guest or two sometimes it's just the two of us let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us mike and mike go to the I have one and only one rule on this podcast. I will tolerate no reenacting, whether it's ironic or sincere, of the Patrick Swayze Demi Moore pottery scene in Ghost. Ever since that movie was released in 1990, I have seen every conceivable variation of what I call ghosting. It's guy on girl, girl on guy, the hilarious guy on guy. <laughs> so since it never stopped, I have to adopt a zero ghost tolerance policy. If you so much as hum three notes from that Righteous Brothers song, so help me God, I will come at you with everything I've got. Okay? Let's have a great time. It's Mike, and this is Mike and Mike go to the movies. <laughs> nice. Uh, joining me, as always, is a man who asked that when I bring him out, can I introduce him while being on the verge of tears, dramatically asking his name? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Crescia. How you doing, Mike? Good. I was I was very interested in what you were gonna do uh to connect these two movies, or at least uh for the intro bit. Uh, <laughs> so so I'm proud of you. Good job. Yeah, Mike. there was there's a lot of work that had to go into that. I was like, I, I like Ghost has some iconic scenes in it, but I'm like, I, I don't know if there's like an iconic line from Ghost that I can really like reappropriate into the podcast thing, and then kind of the same thing with your names. So I was just kinda I, I use the community reference. When in doubt, I fall back in community, Mike, and that's the, the you can't, thing. You can't go wrong with it. Exactly. Uh, how you been, Mike? I mean, it's uh, it's November 2nd, 2020, which tomorrow will be a pretty crazy day mm-hmm. <laughs> in the history of this nation and probably the world. Uh, and this podcast is being released two days after that, probably, uh, if, if it all goes according to schedule. So this podcast is being released into a very different world than... Uh, <laughs> than the yeah. world that it's being recorded in. Yeah, so definitely uh, very anxious, pretty scared. Uh, plan to go pick up some some stress-eating stress, stress eating junk foods and beers uh, after we're done here so that tomorrow I'm all set. Yeah. Uh, because it's going to be scary no matter what. <laughs> Hopefully it goes good and, and this uh, can be your, your, your rejoicing uh, podcast listen yeah. this week. And if it all goes bad, uh, you know, let's come on in, hang out, take a breather. Uh, yeah, um, it, it'll be your your respite. You know, yeah. Have a little bit of escapism uh, with Mike and Mike. That's what we're all exactly. about here. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you know, other stuff. I mean, Halloween was this weekend. Did you do anything, Mike? No, okay. <laughs> it's a pandemic, Mike. Fair enough. On. Yeah, no, I, I get you. Yeah. Neither. Neither do we really. We had uh, we did spooky, scary Saturday, uh, Perfect. which is so we just hung out on the couch and watched movies all day uh, in my apartment 
pretty much all we did. We did get trick-or-treaters at one point, which uh, which I was surprised about, but then I realized the reason. Uh, so the, la- the last two years I've lived in this apartment in Missoula, both years I got candy for trick-or-treaters, but I live in like a college area, so I'm like, I'm probably not going to get any, uh, but I'll get some candy just in case, and like maybe I'll even put my porch light on. And then both mm-hmm. times I forgot to put my porch light on, uh, and, so no, <laughs> and so no trick-or-treaters ever came. And this year we were like, well, we don't really want any trick-or-treaters coming anyway, and I didn't, I didn't expect any because I didn't get any in the previous years so our light was off and then that night on saturday night we ended up going to um my girlfriend's sister's house uh just for like a kind of small gathering as we were leaving my girlfriend took the uh took the trash out and came back in and she turned the porch light on when she did that <laughs> so Ooh. so i guess some kids were walking down the street and saw the porch light on and they came up and uh did the trick-or-treat thing and uh you know we had candy so i gave them candy nice. uh but in, in a year where Everyone saw less trick-or-treaters almost universally. I had a 100% increase at, <laughs> at my house. You doubled your trick-or-treater. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so so there was that. Uh, but but yeah, we had the trick-or-treaters and they came by and they were nice, you know, fun kids and stuff. But That's good. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, yeah, Halloween, pretty quiet, pretty low key over here. Kind of just hung out and watched movies. We did go to the uh, the Roxy Garden on Friday, uh, which was the last weekend that they're doing the Roxy Garden uh, to show the original Halloween. Uh, nice. And so we went there on Friday and we did that, which was a lot of fun. We were supposed to go to Centerfield Cinema on Thursday. Uh, but it was canceled, uh, <laughs> actually. Uh, and the reasons are because uh, Missoula just added a bunch more restrictions uh, for COVID and stuff. Uh, through, mm-hmm. Like the health department added some stuff. Uh, and so officially the reason that was posted on the Paddleheads uh, Facebook page, which the Paddleheads is the baseball team that is part of the stadium. Uh, they said due to the new COVID restrictions, we couldn't do Scream for Centerfield Cinema. I'm thinking they maybe just didn't sell enough tickets. Uh, <laughs> Because, right. And this was like their excuse to kind of be like, OK, we can kind of put this to bed because the last because, again, I've been to every one of these. And the last couple, as the colder weather started to come through, people, uh, the audience is sort of dwindling. <laughs> say that. That tracks. Uh, so like the last one I went to was Beetlejuice and that had an audience of like maybe 50, uh, you know, all in their socially distant squares. But like in the summer, it was like selling out every every week. Wow. Uh, so it was kind of a, a huge fall from grace. I think this is their excuse to be like, OK, we're calling it for the season, guys. We're canceling this one, uh, which yeah. was a bummer because it was the last Centerfield cinema. But we did get to watch Scream at home anyway. So it all worked out. Nice. Uh, but we'll talk about all that stuff in discussions next week when we do our kind of just what we've been watching, wrap up all that stuff. Today, we're doing Mike makes Mike watch. Uh, Mike, you made me watch something. I made you watch something. Uh, and I guess we already discussed what those things were because I used them in the intro. Uh, so, <laughs> so you made me watch the movie Ghost uh, from 1990, yes. the highest grossing film of that year, nominated for Best Picture, bunch of Oscars, Whoopi Goldberg won Best Supporting Actress. I never saw it uh, <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason. I was familiar with Ghost. I knew it. I, like all the iconic bits. I was like, OK, I, I, I get Ghost, but I, just, mm-hmm. I had never actually seen the movie. Uh, and then. For you, I made you watch Your Name, the uh, the anime movie from 2016, uh, which, again, I'm not a big anime guy. <laughs> As I've right. talked about on the show many times, I, I'm not the biggest anime guy. Uh, but in recent years, I've like tried to dip my toe into some of the more acclaimed uh, filmic anime works. And I've seen uh, a lot more Miyazaki stuff and uh, a couple of other things here and there. Like Perfect Blue was really good. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen that, Mirai was good and all that stuff. But your name was the one that really like, broke through to me and was like it grabbed a hold of my heart. And I was like, oh, this is this is amazing. This is great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But you had never seen it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember talking about it. I think we mentioned last episode that it t- made your top 10 of uh, 2016 when it came out, when you saw when you saw it. And, I, you know, I'm not like averse to anime. I'm a little I guess I'm more in that world than you are. Yeah. Uh, or, or than you were, at least. Uh, so for this to be the one that, like, you know, kind of made you the uh, resident anime guy on the podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a joke, at least. Yeah. It was, you know, I knew it had to be very good, especially because it is it is a weird thing to like get over that medium like to get into that i I feel like there's a lot of baggage attached to like anime culturally uh particularly like the kind of person that likes anime typically like in (laughs) in, like a kind of like nerdy basement dwelling kind of way like a 4chan sense you know what i mean yeah yeah Yeah, exactly um but really that's not what that is it's just the you know kind of uh pop culture idea of what that person is so i'm glad that you you kind of were able to uh you know, break through that idea, that notion and, and get into some of it. So uh, I was excited when you when you put that on your list, because I knew it must be good if it was the one that got you interested in the in the medium. So, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I was interested, like I knew of Miyazaki and stuff. And like, you know, yeah. I, I knew at some point I was going to have to cross that blind spot off my list and all that stuff. Like I knew of it. Um, but I think anime is just it's such a it's a really interesting thing because it's such a different animation medium than what American audiences are used to. Uh, It's just it's a very different style and like the sense of pacing and humor is just so different than what we're used to in America, which at this point, like as far as animated movies in America go, it's mostly CGI Disney and Pixar movies. That's like right. (laughs) And like Disney and Pixar knockoffs that also get released. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the anime stuff, like honestly, like watching a Miyazaki or watching something like that, it's often like a breath of fresh air being like, wow, this is cinema. Like (laughs) that kind of thing. And it's always like it's usually still hand drawn and things like that. So there's a little bit of an artistry to it that is sort of lost in American animation now. So. uh, So, yeah, I do love that stuff. Uh, So we're going to be talking about both those movies, Ghost and Your Name, in this episode. Before we do that, got to tell you that all the theme songs you're going to hear this week were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us or something we did in the show, you can email us over at Mike Mike, go to the movies at gmail.com. And now it's time for Mike makes Mike watch. All right, it's time for Mike Makes Mike Watch here on the podcast. That's what we're doing this week. Mike's making me watch Ghost. I made him watch Your Name. Which one do you want to start with, Mike? Ooh, th- you know, this is pretty tough. I, I wasn't really, uh, I didn't really think about this because I last couple episodes of this, I tried to think about the order I would want to watch them as a double feature. Yeah. And I feel like let's do Ghost first, I think. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I, I feel like with the other ones, you know, it was always like sort of a dramatic movie and then like a silly horror movie or like something kind of crazy or action yeah. or whatever. Uh, and this one, it's like, I don't know, they're both kind of romance movies. They're both yeah, supernatural movies. Exactly. There's, there's actually this is a weirdly fitting double feature that I didn't <laughs> think about until right now. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that while uh, we were pausing for our uh, bumper song, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> We might have we might be onto something. We might have connected two dots here. I think I think we might have. We can draw a direct parallel from Ghost <laughs> to your name. And first, we're gonna start with Ghost. What's the matter? Seems like uh, whenever anything good in my life happens, I'm just afraid I'm gonna lose it. I really love you. 
What do you want? What's happening? It's like I think about you every minute. It's like I can still feel you. The problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. You want to move something, you got to move it with your mind. <laughs> Molly, why can't you hear me? Oh, who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Sam Wheat, Please. say my name, say it. Leave me alone! I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. She said Sam knew who killed him. Are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you going to tell the police? She knew things, private things. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name on. Well, this psychic woman's got a record that goes back a long way. Don't you see? I'm not a fake. I don't know what's real anymore. Don't open the damn door. He's a murderer. Why are you doing this to me? Do you hear me? Why are you doing this to me? Sam's dead. Tell her I love her. He says he loves you. Sam would never say that. You gotta take all your anger, all your love, all your hate, and then let it explode. Molly? Molly, you in danger, girl. All right, so Ghost. Uh, this is probably one of my biggest cultural blind spots, baby. Like, I yeah. was thinking about this, and then, you know, for what I, we, we started talking about Ghost sort of frequently on the Jeff Goldblum podcast recently, uh, mm-hmm. because Jeff Goldblum made four movies in 1990, uh, and we always recount the box office for whatever movie, whatever weekend those movies came out. Uh, and in three of those weekends, Ghost was in the top 10. Uh, and in many cases, we was in like the top three. Uh, yeah. And the reason for that is that Ghost was like genuinely one of the biggest hits ever when it, <laughs> when it mm-hmm. came out. Uh, the highest grossing film of 1990. At the time of its release, it was the third highest grossing film of all time. Uh, wow. Yeah. And this is pre-Titanic. It's pre-Avatar. So this is like, I'm pretty sure one and two are like Star Wars and E.T. maybe. Uh, Mm, Like like those, it would be those ones. Uh, And then Ghost, which is pretty crazy. And this movie is directed by Jerry Zucker uh, of of Zucker, Abrahams and Zucker, as in the airplane guys and Top Secrets and like those like weird, like those crazy great spoof movies uh, from the early 80s. And, you know, late 80s, the trio kind of split up and David Zucker went on to do like uh, the scary movie franchise, did scary movie three and four and a couple of more like spoof movies and things like that. And I actually have no idea what Jim Abrahams ended up doing. But Jerry Zucker did Ghosts. This was like this big claim to fame right after they all split up. Like this was 1990s. This is like I think they all split up like late 80s. So it's very shortly after. Uh, and then from there, Jerry Zucker really didn't do all that much. Uh, he directed like two or three more movies. Uh, he did two more movies, uh, one in 1995 called First Night with uh, Sean Connery as King Arthur. Uh, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Sean Connery, by the way, who just uh, passed away this weekend. And then he also directed Rat Race in 2001. Uh, weird and that was his last movie rat race was the last movie jerry zucker ever directed 
What did Rat Race come up in the last Goldblum pod? We talked about Rat Race a bunch. We definitely recently. talked about Rat Race recently, <laughs> for whatever reason. I think strange. For what? Like, why do we even bring that up? Because Smash Mouth or Rowan Atkinson? Because <laughs> Rowan Atkinson is the tall yeah. guy, and we started talking about Rat Race for whatever reason. Uh, this, uh, this ghost <laughs> pick was really uh, just a bonus Goldblum pod episode because <laughs> I mostly. Bit. Picked it because Vincent Chiavelli, one you mentioned never having seen it. And yes. uh, Vincent Chiavelli, who, you know, is like a three-peat Goldblum reunion now, uh, is in is in Ghost. Yes, yeah, Vincent Chiavelli, who just popped up in Mr. Frost, I think, was the movie that he was just in. Uh, yes. And so that's why we brought it up, because it was also, I think that was like right after the Ghost run on, <laughs> on Goldblum yeah. pod. And then Vincent Chiavelli showed up. And then we reviewed The Player, which mentions Ghost a lot in that movie, yeah. which is obviously a Hollywood satire. And every executive in the movie is like pitching like well it's like if ghost met pretty woman or that kind of thing <laughs> like that's what they're all pitching and that kind of thing because the player was 92 and ghost was the biggest thing so right. everybody was trying to capitalize on the ghost train uh basically and <laughs> Uh, which is that a Harold reference that I just made? Well, it's a Vincent Cervelli reference. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he's on the train. <laughs> he's the subway ghost. He's the subway ghost. You're right. Uh, so yeah, Ghost, third highest grossing film of all time at the time, highest grossing film of 1990, nominated for five Oscars, best picture, best original score, best film editing, uh, best original screenplay, uh, which it won, and best supporting actress for Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, and the thing is, as far as reviews go. They were kind of mixed when it came out. Uh, like it has a 74 Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, average rating of 6.8 out of 10. Uh, and, you know, they all kind of say like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, you know, every, and even looking at my letterbox and stuff, like just seeing how people like rated ghosts of the people that I follow. There were, there were a lot of two and a halfs. There were a lot of threes. There wasn't like a lot of love for Ghost, uh, which I was a little surprised to see just based on this movie's reputation and uh, based on how you were describing it to me and how it was really good. Uh, and so I finally watched it this past weekend. I really liked it. I thought it was very good. Yes. yes. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I think I was surprised, actually, by what this movie actually was, because, you know, Ghost. First and foremost, when you think of Ghost, you think of the pottery scene, right? You think of that, right. and that kind of sets the tone for the movie. Like, even the poster of the movie, it's like Swayze and Demi Moore, like, hugging uh, with their, like, naked bodies. And it actually, yeah. it, like, the poster makes it look like Demi Moore is also a ghost, actually, if you're looking at <laughs> <laughs> They're both, like, pale and white and all that stuff. Uh, but, like, you think of the pottery scene, and you think of, you know, that poster, and you think, oh, this is, like, a romance where Demi Moore like is in love with the ghost played by Patrick Swayze. Like that's, that's the thought process. I had no idea there was like a thriller and a murder mystery (laughs) element (laughs) to this movie at all. Uh, And so watching it, I was like, Oh, this is actually, this is much more in my wheelhouse than I expected it to be. Yeah. When I, uh, I rewatched it this afternoon and uh, down to the title card being a jump scare, I was like, wait a second. Um, (laughs) Like there's like, you know, kind of this slow, you know, musical, like, you know, with the opening credits stuff. And then it says ghost and it's like this musical sting. uh, And I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Uh, And there's a lot of like horror elements, uh, particularly when like, the shadow demons, uh, whenever yeah. they show up, um, you know, the other guys or whatever that one ghost in the hospital calls them. And like, that's stuff that I forgot. Like, I think, like you said, culturally, it is just this kind of sappy ghost romance scene with the unchained melody and, uh, the pottery scene. Uh, but like, you know, there's also like big, juicy blood squibs a couple times <laughs> and like some gnarly stuff. Right. Happens. People getting dragged to the pits of hell and all that yeah. stuff. It's it's kind of crazy 
So like, I feel like the movie's like totally a little all over the place. And that's part of it, too. It's like it is like this grand romance, uh, but it's also like this like really kind of B-movie horror thing also. <laughs> yeah, it's got this like uh, sort of like like New York exploitation thing. Like I also just watched uh, again on Halloween. I watched Little Shop of Horrors. And all I could think about was like the Skid Row song when they're following Willie Gomez or whatever to his house. Uh, <laughs> and there's just like, you know, all the windows are boarded up and the sure. subway's all graffiti. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, this is Ghost. What is that? What's happening? <laughs> First off, I love that you watched Little Shop of Horrors because it's the best movie ever made. Uh, Correct. <laughs> big fan. Uh, and yeah, I think with with this, yeah, t- tonally it's, you know, a, a little all over the place. But that's like sort of the charm, I feel like. It's jumping around with a bunch of different elements. And I think what's also kind of cool about it is it's sort of a reversal on your normal ghost story. Uh, because typically, you're not rooting for the ghost. In like, right. in, in most horror type deals that have to deal with ghosts. Normally you're dealing with, you're rooting for the guy who's being haunted by ghosts. Uh, but then by the end of the movie, when you have Patrick Swayze, like doing all this crazy haunting stuff, you're like rooting for like the invisible ghost presence. That's like moving shit around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tony Goldwyn, like who's the, uh, who's the asshole who killed him is, you know, the one you're rooting against. And it's like kind of a cool reversal that this movie does. Yeah. It's pretty fun. It's, it's, you know, I had I remember watching this a lot when I was a young kid, you know, whether it was like on HBO or whatever or like, you know, TNT special kind of movie. And I haven't seen it in years because I think you start to forget about it. And then, like we talked about, you just chalk it up to the cultural touchstones of it. And you're like, I got it. I, whatever. This movie is a lo- it was a really fun rewatch for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I had fun watching it for the first time. I think, you know, what's also weird is like just seeing stuff that you knew about culturally uh, and then putting them in context and realizing that they're like completely different than what you originally thought they were. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of the pottery scene, which I assumed like I got like for whatever reason, I had it in my head that the pottery scene happens at the end of the movie uh, and that Patrick Swayze was a ghost during the pottery scene. Like that right. was that was my thought. And I thought the whole thing was like, oh, it's because it's a supernatural connection the two of them have. Because, again, I thought this movie was a romance about a woman and a ghost. Uh, <laughs> and so when uh, that pottery scene happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie before he gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you know, the two of them uh, being, you know, it's this very nice, intimate scene and the Righteous Brothers song starts playing and all that stuff. It's very good. Uh, and I think the first like 20, 30 minutes before he even gets killed are actually great. Uh, they're, yeah. like, they're really great. Just kind of setting everything up getting all the characters in there and like there's such an easy chemistry between Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore in those first like 20, 30 minutes that it really sells it. It sells it all when he actually dies and like, she's like mourning his death and stuff like that. It's really, really good at setting that up. Yeah. Yeah. That whole stuff, which is all things I forgot about, like the whole, like, uh, you know, wall street banker plot, like the, <laughs> that he's, you know, at least in that first, that first act, you know, where he's like all nervous and like the, the, the people from Japan are there early and he's all flustered and he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, his like buddies, like go get him tiger kind of deal. And like mm-hmm. this whole relationship, the three of them have just like as a really close knit, like unit of friends. And it's like, yeah, it makes that whole, that whole thing so much more powerful when they come out of the theater and then he gets blown away by this guy. Yeah. That, that said it is, incredibly obvious that uh, Carl is the guy who killed <laughs> Patrick oh, Swayze yeah. like from the outset like even like in those opening scenes I was like oh, I'm thinking this guy has something to do with whatever <laughs> happens to Patrick Swayze in this movie uh, and then you know and the movie to its credit it doesn't like try to play as a mystery for too long of like if he's involved or not but it is just like one of those things because because there's not that many characters in the movie 
Right. <laughs> so once you find out that like, oh man, Willie, Willie Lopez, the guy who like shot Patrick Swayze was working for someone else. It's gotta be someone you've already met and you can rule out Patrick Swayze. <laughs> you can rule out Demi Moore and you can rule out Whoopi Goldberg. Like who does that leave you with? Uh, it leaves you with Carl and the subway ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. At, at that point, uh, which Vincent Chiavelli as the subway ghost, by the way, really great. Uh, he yeah. pops up, uh, and you know, I like the way this movie actually introduces the rules of being a ghost as it goes on too, uh, because it kind of just gives you like increments of stuff, and it starts like you know, early on, you see Vincent Chiavelli like break glass, and you're like, oh man, he can break glass, that's crazy, and then later. Like when Patrick Swayze realizes he can move things, he goes to Vince Javelli for help and he starts to realize how, how he can move stuff and all these things. I just think I feel like it like builds really well in terms of how mm-hmm. like how much of a ghost he can be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is very strange. Like at least uh, I, I was not expecting or didn't remember after he dies. Right. And he's at the hospital and there's that old man there that's like, oh, yeah, waiting for my wife, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he tells him, like, oh, don't worry, like, doors are easier than they look. And you're like, what? That makes no sense. And then he can't get out of the apartment later because he can't get through the door, the can't turn the doorknob. And then, you know, and then, like, showing you that he could see the thing that he's going through, like, when the doctor in the hallway walks through him and he, like, right. sees his brain or whatever the fuck. I was like, what the hell? I don't remember any of this shit. <laughs> Yeah, and I love that there's like this underground world of ghosts that are just roaming, yeah. roaming it's the, the John streets of Wick New York. Of it's the John Wick of ghosts. But like, <laughs> I could easily see like maybe a Patrick Swayze list sequel that's just called Ghosts, and it's about you know just the ghosts that are <laughs> walking around the city. Yeah, there's a whole world this blue. movie sets up. I I forgot to like it is also very funny. Like Whoopi Goldberg as yeah. uh, Otome, right? Uh, yeah. Is fucking hilarious, and the whole like scam artist uh you know psychic thing that she's doing and then oh shit wait no she can actually hear patrick swayze uh and it, this like unlikely friendship thing they have to form is very yes fun. yeah like her like kind of dealing with patrick swayze going back and forth and she can't see patrick swayze but she can hear him and so he's moving around the room like trying to get her attention and you know just shouting at various different points and all this stuff she's great like she's really funny and uh you yeah. know it's 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 weird because it's a performance like she won an oscar for this movie uh and wow. it's it's the kind of performance that I feel like doesn't really get recognized at the Oscars all that often. It's this like mostly comedic performance, but it does have like, you know, moments of uh, emotion and tenderness and stuff. And uh, she really sells it. She's really good in the movie. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, the, the like the same thing, too, that it does that kind of gradual development where like later he goes back to her shop and now there's like 20 ghosts in the room because now they know or that she can hear them or something. <laughs> uh, and she's just like totally flustered and out of her element now. Uh, is very fun. Yeah. Plus Steven Root's in the movie. So it's yeah. got that going for it too. Didn't even realize. Who knew? <laughs> uh, Steven Root, of course, who plays a uh, Milton office space. And, you know, he's, he's basically a character actor who's been in a million things. Uh, yeah. Like the kind of guy who, when you see the movie, you're like, hey, it's that guy. But like for us, it's like, hey, it's Steven Root. Steven uh, Root. <laughs> he was uh, the blind guy in Get Out. If that might be his most yes. uh, pop cultural recent. Yeah, he was the blind guy in Get Out. He was a shopkeeper in uh, Buster Scruggs, right? He right. Was, he was in that movie, too. Uh, I, I mean, I think all time, probably Milton from Office Space would be like his big thing. That's true. Uh, or dodgeball dodgeball too he was the uh right the guy in dodgeball who's like super into the rules and has the russian bride uh Mm -hmm. in that movie uh he was on you know justified he had a recurring role and uh boardwalk empire and he's been in so many things steven root's the best (laughs) 
And, so, and he's this little detective guy for two minutes in Ghost. Yes, exactly. Uh, it was really fun to see him in this movie. Uh, yeah. Apparently, adjusted for inflation, Ghost is still, or this is as of 2015, but it's still the 93rd highest grossing film of all time. Uh, wow. So that's, you know, 30 years on, which uh, great. Like a lot of movies have come and gone since then. Uh, and the highest the highest grossing film, Mark, keeps like moving higher and higher. Uh, yeah. I mean, Avatar held the title for 10 years uh, and then A- Avengers Endgame came through last year and just kind of slightly passed it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I-, I really feel like if the pandemic hadn't happened, once Avatar 2 comes out, they're going to re-release the original Avatar like six months beforehand. And it's going right. to go and it's going to go right past Avengers Endgame again. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be such a dick move. I do remember a lot of people talking about that, that like, yeah, that was the plan, uh, which, yeah, I'm sure that will happen. And I'm sure the Marvel fans will be mad again and they'll be demanding a re-release of Avengers Endgame so we can go see it in theaters again. If theaters still exist, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> at this point, if, if the world still exists. Yeah, exactly. Again, recording this on Monday, November 2nd. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think this this is a really I, I'm really glad to have just kind of erase this blind spot from my mind, you know, like this is a movie that I, I assumed I knew what ghost was, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I assumed it was just this like kind of cheesy romantic drama with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze, where she is in love with a ghost. And that was it. And there've been so many of those like Nicholas Sparks type things yeah. over the years <laughs> that I'm like, ah, I don't really need to see ghost. Uh, and then we just started talking about it with the podcast and then you brought it up and you were really a big fan of it. And so, yeah, I'm glad we finally got to watch it and that I actually really liked it. It was good. Ditto. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Ghost reference. Love ghost, it. Ghost, baby. <laughs> I'm the ghost with the most, babe. That's the most, baby. <laughs> come uh, on, baby. <laughs> just got to shoehorn it in there every episode. Now. Yeah. Come on, baby. Uh, <laughs> But all right, so that's Ghost. A uh, very good movie. Uh, you know, it's it, it it is. You know, I'm not shocking people by saying one of the biggest movies ever was a is a good movie. Um, but it was good. You know, best picture at the Oscars and everything like that. That was the year that uh, this was 1990. Uh, so that was the year that I believe Dances with Wolves won. Uh, right at the Oscars, beating out Ghost, uh, and I think Goodfellas was also in there. Let me yeah. check that out. I remember uh, you being mad about it. Yes, on the yeah. Goldblum pod. <laughs> yeah, the nominees were Dance with Wolves won. Uh, a movie called Awakenings, which I do not Had actually lasting know. cultural impact. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a Penny Marshall movie starring Robert De Niro and Robin Williams. Wow. Uh, so I mean, good pedigree there, but uh, yeah, I have not actually seen Awakenings. Uh, then there's Ghost. Uh, the Godfather Part Three is in there. <laughs> Uh, mostly because I think of just like the like momentum of just being a Godfather movie, right? <laughs> like, like they felt like they had to throw it in there, and then finally Goodfellas. That that was your five for 1990. Yeah, I mean, I would probably take out Godfather Part Three, but it's probably and I haven't seen Awakenings, but solid solid five, solid five. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, Ghost, Best Picture nominee, big movie. Finally saw it. Uh, you did so cross that blind spot off my list, but now Mike. Let's move on and talk about the movie that I made you watch today, and that is 2016's Your Name. The day a star fell, it was almost like... Like seeing something out of a dream. Nothing more or less than than a breathtaking view. Let's hit the cafe later. Thanks, but I gotta go to work. I can't stand this place anymore. It's too small and close-knit. 
you are in the world, I swear that I'll find you again, no matter what. Who are you? Who are you? Can I ask you your name? Alright, that was the trailer for Your Name, which is a movie directed by Makoto Shinkei, uh, an anime filmmaker who uh, has been becoming one of the bigger names uh, in anime in recent years. And kind of like Ghost, your name, huge hits. Uh, this is the highest grossing anime film of all time, uh, the highest grossing Japanese film of all time, the fourth highest grossing film of all time in Japan. Uh, and it was even kind of a hit in uh, in the US, the 16th highest grossing non-English film worldwide. Wow. Uh, too, which is pretty crazy. So yeah, your name, a huge success. And I think the reason I knew what this was is because there was a little bit of a marketing push behind this in the US when it came out. Like it didn't play like a wide release type thing, um, but it was one of those things which, which happens with anime movies sometimes where it's like two nights only, like it's, we're showing yeah. your name at the theater. And, and it was like selling out all those screenings. Uh, so you were familiar with your name, uh, I'm guessing. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm curious about this before we go into it. Did you watch the subtitled version or the dubbed version of your name? The subtitled version. Okay. I'm a nerd. I actually, I watched the dubbed version uh, in when I watched it for the first time because I'm a heathen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, know. I I mean, there is this whole, like, you know, subs versus dubs uh, divide within the community and you gotta hear it in the original Japanese. Sure. And, like, uh, who gives a shit, man? Whatever whatever you're more... Com- I'm over... <laughs> I, I don't subscribe to that. Uh, yeah. I just had the subtitled version and was like, uh, okay. Like, I, you know, I am fine with either one. This was the one I found first. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'll watch an anime movie subtitle. I'll watch any movie subtitle. That's fine. But, uh, right. you know, the dub was available when I first like I got the Blu-ray from my Netflix disc plan when it came out. And that's how I ended up watching it. But I mean, I've seen anime movies um, at the Roxy here in Missoula, which is the in theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. And that's where I've seen. I saw a lot of my Miyazaki's there. I saw. Uh, Weathering with You, which was the follow-up to Your Name from this director, Makoto Shinkei. Uh, I saw Perfect Blue there, and I saw uh, uh, Mirai and a few other movies here and there. Uh, so when I when I describe it like that, I, like, I feel like I'm sounding like I'm an anime person. Uh, when, in, when in actuality, I've seen like, I don't know, maybe 20 anime movies like over the course of my life. Like, yeah, it's that's not- one of the things. If you think about like the the breadth and depth of the anime genre, you've we've n- neither of us have scratched the surface. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I was trying to uh, I remember it was last May or not, not this past May, but May 2019. Uh, the Roxy had a series called Anime like Anna <laughs> May nice. uh, and like every Wednesday they would show a different acclaimed anime movie. Uh, and I believe that's where I saw Akira for the first right. time. Uh, and uh, which uh, is a fun movie. Tetsuo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just going to do that. <laughs> uh, it's where I saw Akira and it's where I saw perfect blue. 
And there were like a bunch of other movies that I had never heard of, but I was like planning to go to. And then for whatever reason, just like did like, you know, concerts came up that I had to go to instead or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it didn't didn't get the time. But I was able to see Akira there for sure. And I think Perfect Blue was around that time. Perfect Perfect Blue might not have been a part of anime, uh, but it was definitely I saw that at the Roxy for sure. If you haven't seen Perfect Blue, great movie. Go check that out. But your name. One of the biggest anime movies ever. Makoto Shinkei, like a director to watch. People are really into this guy's work. Uh, and I really enjoyed Weathering With You, which is a follow-up to this and sort of connects back to it in an interesting way. But uh, what cool. did you think of your name, Mike, as you finally watched it for the first time? Uh, I mean, I didn't, you know, I was familiar with this movie in name only. Yeah. You Jim face at the camera. Um, in your name only. <laughs> your name only. Uh, and really, I didn't know anything about it. And then a uh, uh, friend of the show, Vin Craig, was on. And he mentioned he watched it and that, like he paused right before the twist. So like I knew there was a thing that was going to happen, but I didn't yeah. know quite what was going to happen. And in my brain, I was like, what if I bet the twist is there's a body swap. And then. I started to watch the movie and the whole plot of the movie is that people body swap. <laughs> right. So I was like, what's the twist then? <laughs> like, like, I Did Vin so, fall asleep in the first five minutes? <laughs> I was so wrong. What could this possibly be? Um, and I guess I'll save a spoiler. I'll do a spoilers section uh, towards the end of this to talk about that or in a few minutes. Uh, overall, yeah. though, this movie was uh, incredible. It's beautiful. The animation, the draw, like the the uh, star s- style of it is amazing and it's got that i i really like uh anime that i mean i guess it kind of depends on my mood too but i like that like sort of slice of life anime which this movie kind of just is it's just about these two kids that body swap every now and then and they confusion of waking up and not really being sure what you what you were doing yesterday and all your friends are like well yesterday you were like a different person and right uh you know and then they this kind of slow realization of that first act where they're going through and then they um you know, caught with this idea of like, all right, we'll leave each other notes in our cell phones of like what what we did and who we talked to and all this stuff. And they kind of hit their stride and, and just kind of accept it as a part of life that like every now and then I wake up as this other person. Uh, and they're that, that fun dichotomy that, that comparison or whatever you want to call it between, uh, Michuna, I think is her name or Mitsua or something uh, like that. Yes. Yeah. Mitsua. Yeah. Mitsua and, uh, Taki or yeah, Taki, uh, where like, he's this kind of, you know, lives in Tokyo and he's this urban high school kid and, and he's got this job at a restaurant and all that less kind of like fast life that Mitsua it's like so desperately wants. Cause she's this rural, slow, sleepy town and all this yeah. stuff. And that, right. That, the, th- the thing about Mitsua is she's just a small town girl living in a lonely l- world. Lonely world really <laughs> is. She takes the midnight train going anywhere. Meanwhile, Taki, just a city boy <laughs> born and raised in <laughs> South Tokyo. He took the midnight train going anywhere, and then they swap bodies. And then they swap bodies for an hour. Um, yeah, and it's great, actually. I loved, I loved all of it, and, and this kind of like slow, at least in that first act, it's like kind of got this slow, languid pace where you're just kind of learning the ropes of what the two different regions are and what their lives are like. Uh, and then that second act, like I said, where they figure out a system to help each other when they swap, and this that like relationship they start to form between you know, writing notes on their faces and getting mad at each other because somebody's setting up dates for the other one and then, all, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. And then where it goes in the end is is um, amazing and beautiful and tragic and, and gorgeous. And it's one of those things where, like, I was watching this in in a Discord call, like, because, like, I, I think I've mentioned before, you know, everyone's working from home, so we all just kind of, like, hop in a call and hang out while we're doing our stuff. Sure. So I was watching it, but nobody else was watching Like, I wasn't streaming it. So I was watching it alone. Uh, and just kind of like came off mute and was like, wow, this movie is amazing. And my friend's like, you crying? 
And I was like, almost, <laughs> man. Like, yeah. Because um, it's one of those things. It's just I guess, uh, like the ending is like simultaneously uplifting and a downer uh, at the same time. And it's beautiful. And I'm really glad you, you made me watch this. And I can absolutely see that this this is the this is a very good intro to like anime stuff because it's hilarious too. It, it has the like anime intro meme thing it does where like, like a lot of TV shows have, you know, like uh, this kind of over the top action, not action, but over the top energetic, uh, like pop song opening credits with sure. clips of the show that you're going to watch. Like, you know, a lot of t- anime TV shows have that. So when this movie does that, I was like hysterically laughing. I was like, why is this? It's a movie. Why do we, why are we doing this kind of anime intro song with clips of the movie we're about to watch? Um, which was pretty fun. Uh, so that, that was cool. And like, it kind of, you know, it has a lot of the, that tropey stuff that is in a lot or maybe not trope, uh, devices of the genre is in there, you know? So I, I totally understand how this could be your like intro to anime movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, this was such a, cause it's, it's really kind of was my intro to anime movie. Like not that I, again, not, not, the yeah, biggest, yeah. not the biggest anime person, although 2020 Mike's getting back into video games, back into anime in a <laughs> big way. It. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, cause I hadn't really seen at, when I saw your name, I hadn't seen any Miyazaki movies, uh, which was kind of like the big one for me. Right. Uh, and you know, I hadn't seen, like I had maybe seen, I'm not even sure if I had actually watched like a full feature length anime movie that wasn't like a Dragon Ball Z movie, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's basically where my anime level was at. Uh, and so this was like sort of an intro movie for me. And I got really interested in this filmmaker, Makoto Shinkei. I have not gone back to watch his, uh, his previous movies yet. He had like two or three movies he made before your name. Uh, mm-hmm. But weathering with you, which was his follow up. So good. Like it is really, really good. I don't think it's as good as your name, uh, but it is a really, really great, powerful movie. Uh, and I think what I like about both these movies, it's they sort of make me feel like the way I felt after watching Cloud Atlas, uh, which, <laughs> which is this, you know, this powerful moment of human connection. And that's what the movie's like all about. Uh, and it's about just like this guts, emotional feeling uh, that, that it brings you to the verge of tears and like it brings you to tears, it brings the character to tears. And it's like you're just by the end. Like so I remember watching this movie and kind of feeling like you did where it's like, you know, it's a slice of life and it's fun. You know, I'm I'm enjoying watching it uh, for that first hour or whatever. And yeah. then when the twist kicks in, it blew my mind. Uh, <laughs> and then after, at that point, it becomes like one of the most exciting movies. <laughs> Uh, that I had seen in a while and then it ends in this yeah tragic kind of note but also uplifting and like sort of like oh man there's hope for these two characters and all that stuff and like they they could they finally came together uh spoilers uh (laughs) I mean we're like this is kind of a general like you know not not really a spoil like we're assuming you've seen the movie I think if we're talking about it in this okay all right uh, I'll, yeah. Maybe I'll put that at the top of the show just to make sure people know. But that's, yeah. that is how we've been treating Mike Makes Black Watch anyway. So yeah, well, I think I think this one might be a little different. One just it might not be seen by you know people that listen to the show. Slash, it's it's is it the most new movie we've talked about for Mike Makes Mike Watch? Uh, you know what? It might be. Uh, let's yeah. let's let's do our. Uh, our monthly thing where every time we do a Mike makes Mike watch, we try to run down every movie we talked about. <laughs> so we never remember them. Uh, okay. First off was the descent and Scooby Doo on zombie Island, Right. So the descent is like 2005. So let's count that as the most recent one so far. Uh, I think explorers and Phantom of the paradise. Planet. Okay. Both seventies and eighties. Uh, there was bill and Ted and pigs, right? Right. Pigs. Um, <laughs> Pigs, 70s and 80s. Uh, and then 
Man, I guess Twister and Speed were later on, and that was really like an extra Mike makes Mike watch because yeah. it was your birthday. Um, Bill and Ted and um... uh, Bill and Ted was with pigs. That was uh, I said that one already. That was with oh. pigs. Uh, right, right, and then, right, right, right. Oh, Cloud Atlas, Cloud Atlas, uh, yes. which uh, we already mentioned. I should have I should have gotten that one. <laughs> uh, Cloud Atlas and Vertical Limit were the two movies there. Right uh, now, now I'm looking at the list. I'm cheating now. Uh, <laughs> Cloud Atlas and Vertical Limit. And then uh, Barton Fink and Trespass uh, were the other ones. Uh, so yeah, yeah, your name is the most recent movie we talked about on this uh, on this segment of the show. Okay, yeah. So we could do a separate spoiler section for this one. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Just just to be safe. But yeah, I and what I think is cool about your name is it is like like I kind of mentioned before, it kind of turns on a dime and it becomes like a different movie halfway through. It reminds me of Parasite in that way a little bit. Yeah, uh, or like other movies like that where it's like, oh, you think this is one thing and then suddenly, nope, it's an entirely different thing uh, and it's way better as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this kind of um, momentum that starts to build, you know, towards the middle of the movie where I started to realize I was like, oh, I bet this is where Vin paused. Because uh, <laughs> like, yep. you can tell like, in a minute, some shit's about to go down. Right. Um, not that I know exactly what is going to happen yet, because I don't. I feel like this is a pretty unpredictable thing. Uh, but the, there's the, there's this momentum to the movie that it starts to to have, where you can feel like what's ha- what's happening. Like you start to feel unsteady about the movie you just watched for an hour. Yeah. Uh, and then a uh, twist thing happens or is revealed or whatever you want to say. And uh, whew, man, yes. what a different movie this becomes. And just the the that emotional. That like, you know, five, ten minutes dealing with that uh, fallout is wild. And then, like you said, it becomes uh, like it's draining almost like I feel like I I went through some shit with these characters (laughs) for those ten minutes. Right. Um, And I think and I think it works that way because you spent that first hour just hanging out with them, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like you said, it becomes this exciting, like, I don't I don't want to say, but a very exciting movie for the last you know 45 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and I was like wiped out by the time this movie ended, man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we should talk about the twist. Let's talk about the twist uh, that happens halfway through this movie. Uh, so clearly marking this as a spoiler section right now, in case anybody is, hasn't seen your name, doesn't want to know the twist, is convinced that they will watch it based on, you know, our genius recommendations. That's right. uh, <laughs> Uh, so clearly marking this as a spoiler section right now. We're talking about the twist that happens about halfway through your name. Uh, and Mike, since you watched the movie and I haven't seen it in a couple of years, you should talk about it because I don't want to get any details wrong. Right. So so uh, we find out that uh, Mishua has uh, set up a date with Taki and his like boss or somebody that he works with at the restaurant, uh, you know, and he goes on this date and it's this like kind of lovely sort of awkward afternoon because he's this kind of weird dude or not weird, but uh, shy. And he he wasn't the one that started the date and he doesn't know what to do uh, and all this stuff. And at the end of the evening, he you know looks at the message that that uh, Mishua left him in his phone, like recapping. Like I said, they recap their stuff. Yeah. And he says she says like, oh, tonight at the by the time the date ends, like you should be able to see the the meteor. Right. Which is like this whole thing that's been happening throughout the movie that like, oh, meteor is coming by. Or yes, yeah. meteor is going to pass Earth or Comet is going to pass Earth. Then we like hard cut, basically. And he, he's trying to call her and we, you know, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he tries to find her. Right. He decides. Okay, we finally have to meet and talk about this. Uh, and he doesn't know the name. He can't remember the name of the village where she lives or where yeah. she is. But he's got this drawing that he's drawn from memory of like this the the view from her house or something like that. And it's this long montage of him traveling with his friends, like his boss and this uh, and one of his friends through all these villages and in, in the Japanese countryside, trying to figure out where this place is. And finally, 
he's at a they're at a uh, like a ramen shop and the waitress says like oh that's i forget what the name of the place is but she says it you're just like taki in the movie just like taki forgot the name of the place (laughs) forgot the name uh and she says like oh i'm pretty sure that's where it is let me ask my husband he's from there and he says like oh yeah it brings back memories and he asked taki asked like well is it near here and they're like you don't know and I was start, that's what this is when I started to get the feeling like, oh, no, like, yeah. you know, right, right before this is when I'm like, this must be where Vin paused. Uh, and they reveal <laughs> that the comet that passed by split into pieces and a meteor landed on this village and wiped out like, I think, 500 people killed 500 half the town and the, the town is a crater and that's it. Nobody's there because everybody was outside for their like fall festival or something. And that's where yeah. the, the, the meteor hit and they go there, they go there and it's it's just like a crater, a lake filled in with what you know a crater filled in with water and this wiped out desolate and he realizes that mishua is dead that happened three years ago and she's been yeah. dead this whole time that that was where i was like what the fuck is happening like you sit up in your chair like oh my god and then the next like 10 minutes or so is them kind of trying to like his two friends that are with him have no idea he tried to he just explained that as this online friend he's trying to find obviously not explaining (laughs) that he's been body swapping with this person (laughs) yeah so not only is this a body swap movie but it's a time travel movie also yeah Uh, and it's like traveling they're swapping bodies through time yeah it's absolutely fascinating and then that like just devastation of him uh going through that of like this person he was falling in love with maybe we're not sure exactly like this relationship yeah. they're forming uh where like you're literally swapping bodies and they have to make you know rules about like no touching and don't look in the mirror and like you know kind of silly teenager stuff like that uh being yeah. shy about that and she's been dead for three years and he's like he'll never that's it he can't find her and he's like has this starts to have this memory like things start crossing over because the whole thing is they never remember after the swap, basically, which is why they have, right. to have the notes. But he starts remembering like they went to the shrine with the grandma and she put this uh, like sake they make that is like f- made from rice. They've chewed up. So it's like part of your essence, like part of whatever their you know ritual is. So he goes to the shrine and drinks this sake and then it, the animation style changes and we're in like colored pencil animation. He's yeah. going back through time. To when Michua's parents met and her birth and their, her sister being bored and their parents, their mom dying and her dad leaving. And like you get to go through her like whole life. And it is, I think Cloud Atlas and this would also be a similar like double feature kind of thing. It has a very similar theme, the, the persistence of love through time or whatever you want to call it in your fancy, yeah. my fancy English degree phrasing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, holy shit, man, that whole sequence is wild. Like that yeah. whole time travel flashback thing is crazy yeah and he's like and so he wakes up in her body on like the morning of the festival right. like the day the meteor is supposed to hit and so he's like in her body like trying to save the entire town and all that stuff and so all that's going on and so he's you know going through and like eventually successfully saves the town he like prevents i mean the meteor still hits the town but everybody in the town survives yeah uh, including mitchua but when but after that the body swap stuff stops happening. Yeah. I mean, the, the scene that made me like cry, almost cry the most. Uh, yeah. Is when Mishua realizes that Taki is at the shrine. Like she like somehow like just kind of instinctually knows that he's there. She grabs the bike and like runs up the mountain and and, and it's twilight. And I forget what the Japanese word for it. They introduce it late, earlier in the movie. Uh, is it Katawari Doki? That is it. Katawari okay. Doki. It's on, it's on uh, the Wikipedia page. That's uh... There it is. <laughs> Uh, which is kind of like this, like, you know, the veil between realities is weakened at twilight kind of concept. 
Sure. Um, and because they're in the same place at the shrine, they can see each other like finally, actually through time at this at, at this moment. They have this kind of conversation about where he Taki explains like, you know, the, the meteor and she's like, I'm on it kind of deal. Uh, and he has this moment where he says, like, we should write our names on each other. So when we wake up, we'll remember. And he takes a pen marker and writes on her hand. And hands it to, to Mishua and she starts to write on his hand and the sun sets and like vanishes and the pen just drops to the ground. And he, yeah. cause he's not looking like he isn't looking at her. He's looking at his hand and it's like the most heartbreaking moment of anything in ever in cinema history. I was yeah. just, and it's just like, she got one line out uh, before she vanished. It was just like, holy fuck. I was yeah. so, I was distraught, Mike. Yeah, uh, it is. It is distressing. It's also the one line she gets out is I love you, by the way. Uh, no, so that's what he writes on her hand. Oh, right, right. right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So that, I mean, yeah, it's fucking insane. It's, <laughs> it is. And, and then like after that, like their memories are fading. And so they, they wake up the next day and they don't remember anything that happens. Right. Uh, but they're all just like they so they kind of just go about their lives for the next few years uh, and they feel empty and they're like constantly searching for meeting over the yeah. course of these years. Like they know that there's there's something that they had that is gone. Uh, and so like five years pass and like Taki has graduated college. He's like looking for a job uh, and he is like trying to figure out like what he's doing with his life. And then one day, like they see each other on the train. Right. They're taking yeah. the midnight train going anywhere. Anywhere. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and they, they see each other on the train. Like they're on parallel trains and they disembark at the same time and they start searching for each other because they recognize each other, even though they don't know from what. Uh, and they're yeah. trying to figure it out. And he's like calling out and, you know, he's feeling like he knows her. And they finally run into each other and they see each other. Uh, and then they're both like crying and they don't know why. And they both ask for each other's names. And they're like, please tell me your name. And then the movie ends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one amazing, absolutely beautiful, incredible. Yeah. Uh, but before that, actually, there we uh, are going through the last day, the day of the comet or whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. And Mitchell's sister, I forget her name, says like, you know, and then yesterday you went to Tokyo out of nowhere. Uh, and then we have that kind of flashback where Mitsuha runs to goes off to Tokyo for the day to find Taki and finds him on the subway. But she's three years early because in his timeline, it hasn't started happening yet. Right. Uh, and she doesn't know who she is. And he's like, like, who's this fucking weirdo? Like, he has that kind of <laughs> response. Like, who's this crazy lady on the train? And she's like, it's me. Like, don't you know me? And he like kind of brushes her off. But I forget exactly how he remember. Like he's, something happens. Like she turns around and she has that ribbon, that braid in her hair, uh, which is like in their culture at their village, like represents time, and it's part of their the thing with the sake that they chew up the rice and all this yeah. stuff. And she says like, "My name is Mitsua," and gives him the braid. And he wears the that like bracelet for the rest of the movie, even though he doesn't know what it means or who this lady is. Right. And by, the, by the time three years later, when the body swap happens, he's forgotten about that ex- encounter, but he's still got this bracelet uh, kind of thing. So like that, that whole that whole uh, threaded thing about like, you know, time unraveling and raveling back on itself uh, as they remember. And then she's that's how he recognizes her at the end. He sees the braid on the other train. Right. Uh, and then she turns around and they look at each other through the windows on the train. And then that's like, and then they chase each other down and yeah, like, holy shit, man. Like why, uh, where this movie began and where I was by the time it ended are two very different places than what I was expecting. Uh, and I'm very glad that you made me watch this. Yeah. I, uh, of all the movies that we've talked about from my makes Mike watch so far, this is the one that I wish I could have rewatched the most. Like I, yeah. cause I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Like it was around the time it came out and I haven't watched it again since. Uh, but man, 
such a great movie. Like it completely blew me away when I saw it. Uh, yeah. and I'm, and I'm glad I did the same for you because it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like we said, that, that whole last section where like she, uh, Mishua formulates a plan with her two buddies, like in the town, like we're going to blow up the power station so we could hijack the radio and like yeah. this crazy action movie, like, you know, thriller <laughs> plot they concoct. Yeah. Uh, is crazy and intense and like there's there's you know the rate the ticking clock of the comet uh is the amazing device that they're constantly f- like racing against yeah uh, man this movie rocks yeah so so good i know there's been talk about an american remake of the movie uh which would be a live action movie that is theoretically produced by jj abrams not sure how <sighs> i feel about that oh no <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, I actually, I'm actually very curious to see what JJ Abrams does now that he's done his star Wars movies, you know, like, what, right. like, where do you go from there? You know, like just make weird shit from this point on. Just rest, <laughs> sit on your piles of money and stop fucking up franchises. <laughs> I mean, that would be nice too, but if he's going to do something, I would like him to just do it. Cause George Lucas always talked about like going into doing like weird experimental stuff after he did star Wars. And he never actually really did that. Right. Uh, and you know, I, I think, I'm not sure if J.J. Abrams has that capacity like Lucas did, where Lucas was really like, he was a really experimental filmmaker in the 70s and like did some weird stuff, THX 1138 and all right. that. I'm not sure if Abrams is has that bone in his body to do that, <laughs> but I would like him to do more like you know, smaller, interesting projects if he's going to keep working and doing stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if a live action remake of Your Name is the, is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that seems uh, uh, not the best to me. I mean, generally speaking, live action adaptations of anime not a great idea. No, <laughs> they never work. Except for uh, Alita Battle Angel, right, Mike? Well, yes, that movie fucking rocks. Uh, although that's <laughs> although that's uh, a manga and not an anime. So uh, there excuse you go. me. I think, I think there might have been like some kind of obscure anime in the '80s that lasted like two episodes or know. something. But uh, but that's a manga, and I know that because I'm an anime guy. Mike. That's right. You're resident <laughs> anime expert, Mike Smith. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Alita Battle Angel fucking rocks. But I'm thinking of movies like Death Note, like the Death yeah. Note movie. The Adam Wingard made or the Ghost in the Shell remake with Scarlett Johansson and stuff like that, which she shouldn't have been casting that. But there, there you go. I, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think um, I think there is something particularly cultural about that. Like we kind of talked about earlier, anime as a, as a medium that doesn't quite translate, like especially in your name. Um, actually, I noticed that there's a lot of uh, like discussion and and like kind of the comedy stuff in that first act. So, not to completely dis- derail you, sorry um, oh, yeah, about yeah. about live uh, live action adaptations, particularly American ones. Uh, but about how Taki Mitsua as Taki, like when she body swaps with him, she uses the feminine words a lot. Well, at least sorry, I guess in the subbed version. I don't know about in the dubbed version if they reference this at all. Okay. Um, but she's using like the feminine nouns and stuff in Japanese and his friends are like, what? Cause he's, it's Mitsua as Taki. Uh, right. So like the subtitles were kind of confusing cause it was started using like the phonetic spellings of Japanese words to show <laughs> that like it's the feminine versus masculine stuff. Yeah. Uh, but like at least that as a thing where I guess in, you know, Japanese society or whatever, it's much more rigid between like literally yeah. the language is gendered. Uh, right. So Whereas like, English, kind of, it's all just one thing. It's all just saying the word the or whatever. And that's it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like this and like putting wrong endings on words and stuff. Uh, and it's like, I mean, it's like, a, you know, a couple like comedic joke bits. It's not like a major plot point, uh, but it's like a thing that wouldn't, you know, that would never can't have that in an American movie, you know? Right. It would be confusing. Nobody would know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. that it is so culturally specific. And if you're going to do, some kind of American remake of a Japanese thing. You have to kind of 
change it to make it, you know, Americanized or like whatever. And that's also its own can of worms because, right. you know, because then, you know, there are, you know, different things where it's like, well, why didn't like with Scarlett Johansson ghost in the shell? Like, why didn't you cast an Asian actress in this role? Especially because the movie didn't really change much. And right. I think that was the real issue is that, you know, it's, it still takes place in Japan in the, in the live action American movie. And it right. just has Scarlett Johansson in the lead role. Uh, whereas like the death note movie, sort of to its credit it's it takes place in america you know it's an american <laughs> at movie at least there's that it takes place in america it's bad but it's <laughs> <laughs> but it at least takes place in america and it, and it at least has lakeith stanfield playing l which is kind of fun uh, <laughs> but but yeah I, I mean i would go a step further and say just doing adapting animation into live action is a tricky thing in the first place, uh, as right. we've seen with the Disney live action remakes recently, uh, which are almost uniformly terrible. Uh, it, like I've gotten like, or at least uniformly bland, you know, like they're right. not, most of them aren't like terrible. I think the Beauty and the Beast one's pretty bad, uh, but, <laughs> but they're, they're all like kind of just generally whatever, like, like people will go see them because they're live action remakes, of Disney movies, and they're going to make a billion dollars. And everybody's like, Oh man, they're showing a new Lion King. This is great. Uh, but then, you know, you get there and it's like, well, I'm not going to choose this over the original Lion King, like any day of the week. Like, right. and, and when you watch the original Lion King, which, you know, has all these vibrant colors and all the animals are jumping around and doing crazy shit. And then like, you know, you compare like, I just can't wait to be King in the original Lion King, which has like, the animals all like standing on top of each other and doing this like <laughs> big, you know, elaborate choreographed dance number. And then you have it in the new one, which is just, you know, Simba running around for a little bit. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's night and day and it's, it's much worse than the live action version. Yeah. Sad times, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not that it can't be done, you know, like a animated into live action. Like I'm sure it can be, I'm sure it has been done well and I'm blanking on an example of it, but like in recent years, we've seen a lot of examples of animated movies <laughs> turned into live action movies that do not work. Uh, and I don't want that to happen to your name. It's such a pure good movie. Yeah. Yeah. If there's anything I don't want, you know, like American studio, big bucks to uh, get their hands on. It's uh, as tragic and beautiful a story as <laughs> as your <Yeah>. name is, because <laughs> this feels like it's 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 prime opportunity to just have whatever the magic is in this movie. Like that makes me convinced and hooked uh, with like these characters and this experience that they're this insane thing they're going through and like be fully bought in on. Uh, I can see that somehow easily being stripped away and just like have it focus on the comet stuff or whatever. Like, you know, I don't right. know. Like it could, I could see it be. Be, be ruined, basically, is what I'm, yeah. what I'm saying. And besides, we already have a live action version of your name, Mike, and it's called Ghost. <laughs> yes, it's uh, <laughs> Ghost and that song. What the hell? How did I forget what the song is? Uh, the Righteous Brothers song? The nope, uh, the Midnight Train Going Anywhere song. Journey. Uh, don't there Stop Believing. There we go. I got there. Don't Stop <laughs> Believing. One of the biggest songs of all time. <laughs> it was a journey for me to remember. Ah, there you go. There it is. Okay. Uh, so that's Ghost. That's your name. I think that kind of is starting to bring us to the end of, uh, of this week's episode. Both big fans of both of these movies. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a pleasant little double feature we accidentally made. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't like put that together before that Ghost and Your Name have those similarities in common <laughs> where they're about, about dead people and they're about, you know, time, like sort of, you know, paranormal romance and right. all this stuff. It's uh, it's kind of nuts. But uh, yeah, so there we go. Ghost, your name. Highly recommend checking out both. They're both very good. Uh, all right, Mike, I think it's going to bring us to the end. Uh, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. 
And you can find me online. It's a M Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film on letterbox and radio Mike sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can hit us up at uh, Mike and Mike go to the movies at gmail.com. And you can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside the totally original geek news podcast, which is a podcast, about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, so for our next episode, we'll be doing some discussions, talking about some of the stuff we've been watching lately. I think both of us ended up watching a lot of uh, Halloween type stuff for uh, this past weekend. So looking forward to diving into that sometime in mid November. Uh, <laughs> and in the meantime, our Jeff Goldblum podcast is weekly. We just released your episode on the Faber, the watch and the very big fish next week. We're talking fathers and sons, uh, which is a crime thriller available on YouTube. If anybody wants to check that out, a couple of uh, cool names popping up in supporting roles in that movie too, which uh, I'm not going to reveal because I want Mike to be surprised. Perfect. Uh, but, uh, We'll see how that goes. And that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Uh, And if things went well this week, we'll see you on the other side. Uh, And if they went poorly, good luck. We're all counting on you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a ghost adjacent reference. Who knew? Uh, Is it? Isn't good luck we're all counting on you from Airplane? Yeah, it's from Airplane. Oh, Jerry Zucker. Yeah, you're right. Okay. There's there's the reference. There's there's the connection. (laughs) Nailed it.